Amen. I want to talk to you about kingdom struggles, life struggles, life struggles, part of our series we're in. And this morning, we've talked about marriage, and when things hurt, we've talked about dealing with death. And this morning, we're going to talk about parenting and being the family that God wants us to be. And what does it mean to raise kingdom kids? So this is for moms and dads and kids. It's for grandparents. And if you're in the room today and you don't have kids, let me tell you something. You are a spiritual parent and grandparent to a spiritual kingdom. And so whether or not you have kids today, this is specifically for you as well. But raising kingdom kids. Uh, I was never really a kid person. I was an only child, so I really wasn't around kids much. And so I really didn't have much to do with kids as a young married couple. In fact, I was really nervous to have kids. Uh, and when I remember becoming a young pastor, and then you got to do these things called baby dedications. And so it's like uh, I had to just psych myself up to trade off this baby from this newborn baby from this mom. Let me tell you something. That is nerve-wracking because you know things are going to cry and scream because you took it from mom. And it's like I felt like one of those guys on the bomb squad about ready to defuse a bomb. And so you're taking it carefully and you just bring it to your arms hoping it doesn't explode. That's what I felt like. And now it's like, okay, it's a kid, you know, and you, by the second kid, you're just like, yeah, whatever. You know, uh, so... Uh, but one of the biggest worries and challenges I, in my life right now, I feel, is how do I raise a mighty generation for God? One of the biggest worries of my life is, am I going to be the father uh, that I need to be for my kids? You know, Psalms 20, uh, 127 says, kids are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. They launch out from us and we send them off. Uh, and we want them to go in the right direction and destination. They are sent out. And there's so much at risk. Questions I ask myself every day. Am I present enough? Am I loving enough? Am I patient enough? And I know the answer to that is often no. Am I patient enough? Am I teaching them enough? Am I keeping them safe from all the dangers in the world? Am I too strict at some times? Am I preparing them for what they're going to see in life? And will they resent me later? Will they serve the Lord as adults? And that's probably my biggest fear in life right now is I want to have children that go out into the world prepared to continue to serve the Lord. And how many say amen? That's what we want for our kids and our grandkids. And I know uh, we're all human, most of us, uh, and we've got faults, and our family sees our faults more than any other. And sometimes in the family, uh, that's where all the chips fall. That's where everything is there laid bare. All the masks are removed. And your kids know who you are. Your grandkids know who you are. Your spouse knows who you are. And I've read all the books. I've taken the classes. I've, I've got books and books on my shelf. And let me tell you something. After all the books and the degrees and the psych degrees and the counseling degrees that I have, uh, I'm just figuring it out. Some days and some weeks, I'm like, I'm just learning this for the first time. How do I go through this? How do you do this? And sometimes that's how it can be. You can learn everything and put all the book knowledge in the world, but you have to still live it out. How do you live out family, the kingdom way? Yeah, there's a problem. that We know a world that is godless, immoral, and a dangerous place. The Bible says one of the signs of a fallen generation. Do you know this? It wasn't just wickedness and murder and hating God and atheism and, and all the other evils. But Paul said in Romans 1, it said it was arrogant, boastful, and it would be a generation that was disobedient to their parents. Do you know that? That is one of the signs of the last days. The signs of the last days or a fallen society is a society that nationwide would be disobedient to their parents. It means rebellion against authority. How many think we see that in the world today? 
Even he says it to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 2. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, and disobedient to parents. It's kind of a, it doesn't really fit there, does it? It seems like, wait a minute, that, that doesn't sound like it'd be one of those things that fit there, but it is. So how do we raise obedient children? <laughs> parents say, yeah, come on. How do we raise obedient children? How do we do family life well? And how do you raise a godly family in a godless state. God told Joshua after they crossed the Jordan River and they made it into the promised land, he told them to set up stones of memorial uh, so that previous or the, the former generations would be able to tell future generations when they asked, what are these stones here for? And they would be able to go back to those stones and say, this is how God brought us out. This is the testimony of our family. And so from the very beginning, God has always implemented intergenerational ministry in his people. He's always wanted previous generations to tell of the wonders and the glory of God. And I was blessed, like Timothy. Timothy was Paul's apprentice, and Timothy had a grandmother and a mother whom Paul references and says, man, I'm so glad that your grandmother and your mother passed on a legacy to you, Timothy. And I was blessed to have that in my life. Uh, my mom and dad raised me in church. My grandmother, uh, I'll mention them later, uh, raised me in church. But my dad didn't have that. And they started that generational ministry to break the curses of their past, to start something new uh, in their generation. So it's not too late. It's not too late. Maybe today you didn't have that heritage of faith. Perhaps today you didn't grow up in a healthy family. You know, we've got a diversity of experience in this room right here. Some of you grew up with single parents some with absent parents, some went between parents, some of your families expressed love, and some did not. Some of you saw alcoholism and drugs in your family. Some of you had verbal or physical or emotional abuse in your family growing up. Some of you never entered the doors of a church as a child. Some of you came every week. But what is the foundation of family in your life? You know, sometimes we parent either in response to how uh, we were parented or in spite of how we were parented. We're all doing it in response to something. And I want to give us a framework for kingdom family. Our goal is not just to do family life, but kingdom life. Somebody say amen. We're not here just to do family life. We're here to do kingdom life. So what's your model of family ministry? I want to leave an inheritance. You know, as moms and dads, uh, the Bible even says that we are to leave an inheritance for our kids in Proverbs 19, 14. That inheritance, it shouldn't just be material possessions or monetary possessions. It should be a morality. That's the inheritance. It, there's values you're supposed to leave behind, some value to your kids. And it shouldn't just be in material possessions. It shouldn't just be in, in financial possessions, but relational values and spiritual values. What are the values and in inheritance you're going to pass down to your kids and your grandkids? So look with me in Luke chapter 14, verse 25. If you're there, somebody say amen. There's a tension between kin and kingdom. Kin and kingdom. And how do we do life, how do we do family life in a way of kingdom life? Kingdom life is greater than family life. I want my kids to know that kingdom life is greater than even our family life. Do you believe that? Kingdom life is greater than family life. Look with me in Luke 14, 25. Now large crowds are going along with him, 
And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he's got enough to complete it? Who and what does your family see you loving the most? So pause there. Who and what does your family see you loving the most? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, he cannot be my disciple. Now, that's pretty strict. Okay, so, all right, Pastor, what are you talking about? Jesus says, if you don't hate, this is literally, if you don't hate your family, you can't be my disciple. So what does he mean? Well, we know, we Bible says that God hates divorce, so we know that God is pro-marriage. We know that God's pro-marriage. He's not saying, no, don't love your spouse. That's not what he's saying. He's pro-marriage. He's pro-lifelong marriage. We also know that Jesus said uh, in King James, suffer the little children to come to me. God loves kids. He wanted to bless and pray for them. We also know that uh, Jesus was all about family, and he even said repeatedly, honor your father and mother. And he says that over and over in the New Testament. So we know he's pro-parenting, pro-commitment to your family. Even the last thing Jesus did on this side of, of earth, what was it? At the cross, he says, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Because he wanted his mama taken care of from the cross. That's pretty awesome. I mean, he wanted to take care of mama. On the, on the cross, he said, John, take care of my mom. When I'm gone, you're going to be the son to her. And he, John did for the rest of his life. John cared for Mary. So Jesus is pro-mama. Come on, somebody. He's pro-mom. All right? So how can he say, hate your mom, if he says, John, take care of my mom? Well, in this translation, what we would say hate, it actually could translate love less. Hate is really to love something less. It literally means in the Greek, in this spot, it means if you had two choices, and there was the only two choices, you would always choose the one over the other. And he says, when it comes to mama or Jesus, and you had to make a choice, you better choose Jesus. If it comes to daddy or Jesus, and you had to make a choice, you choose Jesus. If it comes to your kids or Jesus, and you had to make a choice, you would choose Jesus. And that's what he says, unless you have me as the preeminent choice of your life, you cannot be my disciple. It means you can't love yourself or love your family more than Jesus and be a disciple. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty strict, especially even like in Jesus' day when everything was family first. What is he saying? It says the gospel is free, but it's going to cost you everything. You see, you're saved by grace through faith. It doesn't cost you anything, but your faith is proved in how you follow Jesus. It's not just about coming to the altar and saying, please, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I want to be saved. That's free. But how you show your love for him will be proved in how you walk out the rest of your life outside these doors. It's proved in your faith. It's proved in your works. It's proved in your discipleship. So, for instance, this same loving Jesus who told his mother and brothers, one time they were waiting outside while he was preaching, and they said, hey, your mom and your, your brothers are outside. What did he say? He said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? For whoever does the will of my father in heaven, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. That would get in a lot of a slap today, I'm sure. But, but he said it. He could get away with it. He's Jesus. That same loving God called 12 men to leave their wives, their jobs, their responsibilities to follow him into full-time ministry because his kingdom was first. This same loving God told a young man who wanted to bury his father uh, before he could go be a disciple, he said what? Let the dead bury the dead. The same loving God who was family first and pro-mom and pro-family 
to another who wanted to say bye to their families before following Jesus. He said, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, we often do family life the American way. We often do it the natural way, but God wants you to do family life the kingdom way. And the Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways, and we don't understand them. But here's what I know. God is love. God wants you to provide for your family. He wants you to love your spouse selflessly. He wants you to be an honorable father and mother. He wants you to be a good son or daughter. He is pro-family. So when God tells me to do something that doesn't make sense, like Abraham, sacrifice your only beloved son whom I've gifted you and through whom will come nations, and it doesn't make sense to you, we, like Abraham, have to still determine, is my faith reliant on what I understand and see in the natural, or is it on the Word of God in that only? You understand? You're with me. See, he had to make a tough choice. Is it God first or family first? Bible says that Abraham reckoned that God could raise him up from the dead. Let me tell you something. You put God first in your family, God will raise your family to life. You can think, yeah, I'm going to get a job, get a car, got to get a baseball, got to get dance, got to do this, got to get trophies, got to get an education. And you put God second, you end up killing your family. But he says, if you put God first, God will raise your family to life. Come on. Is that true? We have to determine whether or not in this last day you believe the Word of God over anything else. And that's what he says. Family first is really not the answer here. He says it's kingdom first. How do you do kingdom life? How do you do family life the kingdom way? Kingdom life is greater than family life, and you have to determine whether or not you believe the Word of God is true. His ways are not our ways, but I can trust that His ways are better than my ways. So here's the question. Have I surrendered my family to Christ? If God wants something and my family wants something, who gets what they want? God wants something or my family wants something, who gets what they want? And does my family see a God first love in me? Mom or dad, does your kids see that you love God more than anything else in your life? Grandma, grandpa, does your grandkids see that you love God first more than any family? Do they see that you love God more than them? Let me just put it plain. Does your family see you love God more than them? There was a... Uh, episode uh, Beth and I watched uh, on Hulu. It's called The Parent Test. And it was all about uh, these pitted these families against one another to determine which parenting style worked best. It's child-led, natural, free-range, strict, disciplined, helicopter, all kinds of new age stuff. And, and they put all these families through these tests. Had a psychologist there and this comedian. And, and they videotaped them in these experiments, basically, in the world. Whether or not they would take candy from the candy store or talk to strangers and things like that. And they were surprised. At the end of it, the families that made it to the very end were the morally strict and disciplined families. I thought that, that probably tricked all those people in national television. It was the morally strict and the disciplined, pro-disciplined families. Why? Because it allowed a framework of strict rules and, and strict boundaries, but a freedom on the inside of those boundaries. And psychology would tell you the same way. In psychology today, uh, there are four types of parenting and uh, one is strict, one is very loose, one is negligent, and the other is authoritarian, uh, and it's, it's the balanced one. And they prove that a balanced family produces the most healthiest, well-adjusted kids. And what do I mean by balanced? It's, it's this. 
you can, uh, if you are too strict, your kids can rebel and become controlling or even just go wild, right? You know that. If you're too loose and you want to be your kid's best friend and you don't have a lot of rules, they can go out into the real world and they're going to lack self-control. They're going to even feel entitled in their life, right? We know that. They're not going to be great employees as we see in the world today, right? Well, here's the balanced version. You need to push your kids to excel and reach their potential, but they also need time off just to be kids. They need to have strict and clear boundaries with clear consequences, but they need freedom to have fun within those boundaries. They need discipline. They need to learn respect, but they also need not just discipline, but lots of love and lots of affirmation. As much as you discipline your kids, you need to tell them you love them. Come on, right? We know that. Constant affirmation. They don't need just affirmation, and they don't need just discipline. They need an equal balance of both. They need consistency, stability, routines. They need to know what's happening this week. They need a stable home environment. We know that. But they also need the freedom to be spontaneous, go climb a tree, get outside and play. Right? It's balanced. And so what does it have to do with the kingdom? Can you do both? Can you parent in this world today and do it the kingdom way? And I believe that you can. So let me give you three quick, quick roles. I'm going to tell you about kingdom dads, kingdom mom, and kingdom kids. All right, so dads, I'm going to hit you first. You ready? Every dad and grandparent. Uh, my dad did not have a kingdom dad. He had an abusive alcoholic father who never in his entire life until he was 90 told him that he was loved. Uh, but my dad chose to break that uh, I don't really believe in generational curses, but I'll just say he broke that curse of alcoholism and abuse in our family and, and decided we're going to take my family to church and give my son what I never had. And they did well to do that. Uh, I saw my dad decide to pick up people from church to church. I remember picking up people on the way to church. I remember my dad unlocking the church building. Uh, now, he wasn't a pastor. He was just a guy. I remember him playing on the worship team. I remember him teaching young boys on Wednesday nights every single week for today. He's still doing it now, 35 years later, teaching young men on Wednesday nights. Uh, from being a board member to just being the guy sometimes when they didn't have any to mow the churchyard, we went up there on Saturday to mow the church. I saw my dad live out kingdom life. And that is so very much lacking in the world today. See, kingdom dads, here's your challenge you are called to establish, the Bible says in Psalm 78, a testimony of God's word and to teach your children to them. Teach them to your children. A testimony of God's word and teach them to your children. Psalm 78, 5 through 7. You're to put your children's confidence, dads, in the Lord. The Bible says you are to demonstrate the way they should walk. Even dads, you are to speak prophetically. Most of the time in the scripture, it was the dads that were naming kids prophetically. It means you're to speak prophetically what you see God wants to do in your kids. You should have the voice of the Lord for your family and speak that voice into your family of what you want and believe God wants to do in your children and in your family. You are to hear the voice of God and lead your family. The Bible says in Proverbs 1, dads, you are to discipline your children. What does discipline mean there? It means to give minor punishment minor punishment in order to teach a life principle. We don't just discipline and beat our kids for no reason. We do it to teach a life principle, a minor discipline of correction to guide them, just like the Lord disciplines you. Maybe you never had a father. Let me tell you something. Dads, you can study out the scripture to figure out who God the Father is, and you'll be a better father. In fact, you'll probably be a better child of God, and you'll learn what it means to be a child yourself. Uh, to study out who God the Father is. He's loving, he's patient, he's kind. He does re, uh, re, reprove those he loves, but he also restores and gives grace. 
So that's you dads. He doesn't, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, dads, don't provoke your kids to be angry and resentful or rebellious children. You're to show them grace and restoration after correction. Granddads, here's for you. You are to, this is true. This is so, I'm a, I'm a parent who sometimes has to get on to grandparents for spoiling my kids with all the dessert and ice cream and soda they could possibly eat on the weekends when they go and they come back worse than they went, right? And so here, but here's a verse for it. I'm gonna have to live it up. Proverbs 17, six. Granddads, you're to wear your grandchildren like jewels in a crown. You're to parade them around town, baby. Just tell the, tell the world how awesome your grandkids are. That is scriptural commandment. Isn't that something? So if anytime your, your kids say, you're always full of my kids, just say, Proverbs 17, six. My grandkids will be a crown in my head, all right? All right, so there you go. I'm just going to have to be quiet now. All right, so dads, let me give it, wrap it up with you. Dads, you are to show your kids how to love a wife selflessly. You are to show them how to love with agape love. You are to show them that, listen, that she comes second after God and before them. God, wife, kids. That means your kids are not first in your family. God is first, your spouse is second. This is not popular. God is first, spouse is second, kids are third. Dad, you are to show your kids how much you love your wife, how much you dote on her, how much you sacrifice for her, and they will learn, listen, they will learn what agape love really looks like. They'll learn what selfless, sacrificial love looks. In fact, the Bible tells us that it's actually, while you're going to learn love from both of your parents, you learn agape love from the dad. You learn what a fatherly love looks like from the dad. And that shows us why a lost generation today who doesn't have fathers doesn't know the father love of God. It's because they've never seen agape love demonstrated from a spiritual male leader in their home. And then maybe there are people here you don't have a dad. Let me tell you something. Around this church are men of God who need to be your spiritual uh, dad in faith. You need to come in to find a place. Dad, you need to serve in the local church so that you can be a spiritual father to kids who don't know what fatherly agape love looks like. Kids are going to learn agape love from their father. Whoever husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church, Ephesians 5.25. So dads, that's you. Uh, to instruct, discipline, and love with agape love. That is your call in Scripture. Kingdom moms, number two. Kingdom moms, I remember my mom, uh, I remember getting up in the morning before middle school. I remember my mom laying out commentaries. Now, my parents were not perfect, but I thank God for a spiritual heritage like Timothy. I remember my mom laying out multiple commentaries on the dining room table as I was getting up to eat my cereal and watch I Love Lucy. Come on, somebody. All right? I Love Lucy. That was the thing. That was what my parents did. All right? Hey, Bugs Bunny. I got Okay. But I remember that. I remember my mom adopting, and she taught Wednesday Night Girls Club every single week. They were on stage. I remember, that we were, I remember faking being sick, and they said, you're still going to church. It doesn't matter. The doors are open. We're going to church. I, they made me go to every youth rally, every Sunday school class, every lock-in, every camp, every retreat because they wanted to pass something on to me, that they valued kingdom life more than family life. If it became church event or sports event, guess which one we went to? Church event. Ooh, it's getting quiet. Kingdom moms, here's your instruction before the Lord. Oh, I can say this about my grandmother. I remember, Grandma, this is for you. I remember, for those of you who grew up in the old, I remember my grandmother, and I was, she babysat me when I was young. And I remember her when I was six years old and going into her living room and she was set there on that little bitty keyboard and she began to sing Linda Randall. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And yet he loved me and he knew me, right? You remember that song? I remember her weeping over gospel hymns 
That was my heritage. I remember my grandmother sitting me on her lap and praying over me and telling me biblical stories as a five-year-old and a six-year-old and a seven-year-old. I remember in high school, grandma and grandpa, my grandmother would write me letters and birthday uh, cards and would put prayers in them, praying over my life. I never thought I'd ever go into ministry, but here's what I know. Those prayers were an act. Those things that were sown were reaped later. And I'm here today because my parents and grandparents sowed into a next generation. Kingdom moms, here's what the Bible says for you. Proverbs 1.8, you are called to teach your children. What does that mean? Teach there means that while God has set them apart, the Bible says God set your kids apart. While they come from your womb, but before they ever came out of you, they were already set apart for a purpose in God's kingdom. That means they're His Mom, they're his kids, not your kids. You are, they're on loan to you. And you are to teach them his word and the way kingdom life should be lived. That is God's challenge to you, Mom. It's not to live life the way you want to live. It's the way he wants. He gave them to you. They were his before they ever came out of you. And it says he has a call on their life. They have a specific kingdom call. And your job is to teach them what that call is. Come on, somebody. That's your job, Mom, to teach them what a kingdom call is. It means to show them what kingdom life looks like. 2 Timothy 1.5, grandmoms to moms, you are to pass down a sincere faith. Timothy, he says, Timothy, I'm so thankful that your grandmother and your mother passed down a sincere faith. What does that mean? Mom, you are to pass down, you are to hand down, you can write this down, hand down a holy heritage. Hand down a holy heritage. It means you're the caretaker, the nurturer of a faith. It's a faith that's not superficial. It's not halfway. It's not something that is just on the top, uh, hypocritical. But it, lastly, you are called to do this. Demonstrate respect to your children by how you honor and follow your husband. Well, I said kids learn agape love from the father because that's the father's call to love the wife with agape love like Christ loved the church. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 that wives you are to honor and respect and follow your husbands as the church follows Christ. What does that mean? The kids are going to see mom respect and honor their husband and they're going to learn what honor and respect means to their life. Does it mean your husband's perfect? No. Does it mean he's always right? We all know that's not true, right? But moms... Your calling, your call is to submit and to show your kids how to submit as well, to demonstrate respect in the home. That is your job. Moms, and I'll say this just like I said to dads, while your kids may come from your flesh, Genesis 2 says you come from your husband's flesh. What does that mean? Kids don't need you to be their best friend. I say that all the time. Well, my kid's my best friend. No, they're not. Your mom and your dad. I'm just going to be real with you. Your mom and your dad, you're not best friend. We don't, they've got best friends. They don't need another best friend. They need a mom, and they need a dad. They need a parent. They need a father. They need a mother. Nobody else is going to be their father and mother but you. That's your job. They'll have best friends come and go. You are the only person, though, who can be father and mother. I should get an amen on that one. That's good. You are to be mom and dad. That means your first person in your life, mom and dad, is God. You are first mom with your husband, so let your kids know they are third behind God and your husband. What does that mean? Moms, you are to elevate God and your husband above your kids so they know how to prioritize relationships in their life later down the road. That this man, that mom, listen, you're going to have little, I got two little girls. I don't want them elevating any man above God. Because any boyfriend, any future husband, I want them to see that mom and dad, mom elevated God above dad, and mom elevated us. I'm an elevated dad above us. You understand? It's not my kids first. Moms, elevate your husbands above your kids. That's the kingdom way. 
That's the kingdom way. Ooh, I know it's quiet. Lastly, kingdom kids. This is for the kids. Are you ready? This is for the kids. Kingdom kids. You know Jesus loved kingdom kids uh, so much so that he rebuked his disciples. Uh, he says, hey, why don't you tell these kids not to come? And he, the Bible says he embraced them and he blessed them. And he says, unless you understand that uh, you come to God like a kid, you're not going to get into the kingdom. It's faith like, a, like that. In fact, that uh, Jesus would even go even further, uh, that, that, no, uh, that he embraced them and he loved them. I said that. But no two kids are born the same. Do you know that the Bible says, think about Jacob and Esau. The Bible says that kids are responsible for their own actions. Listen to me, kids in the room, you're responsible for your own actions. Now, I've seen kids who come up in the same home. One goes to the right and one goes to the left. Y'all know that's true? They're responsible for their own actions. So mom and dad, you're to raise your kids in the right way. So let me give you some great verses for kids to know. We practice these in our families. I'm going to get Ari and Addie to help. Come here, Ari and Addie. Come here. I don't know if they remembered I was going to ask them this. All right, I want you to tell, tell me some good Bible verses for kids. Okay, come right here. Okay, what's a good Bible verse that starts with C? Children, obey your parents, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Ooh, I love that one. Okay, what's a, what's, Ari, what's a good Bible verse that starts with D? Do all things without complaining and disputing. Uh-huh, I love that one, too. We quote that one a lot, right? Do all things without complaining and disputing. Uh, what about K? You know that one? Keep your tongue from evil. Okay, do you know one that starts with H? Honor your father and mother. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Sit down. Thank you. Our kids should not know the latest Taylor Swift video before they know Bible school stuff. Come on. They shouldn't know the latest TikTok trend before they know Bible verses. Listen to a song yesterday on the radio coming here, and it's like, we only know John, is a country song, we only know John 3.16, we just know that we listen to, we go on a weekend, talk with beer and God, and everything's good. It's like, we don't go to church, we don't listen, we know the words, John 3.16, we just know that we can drink beer and talk about God, and that makes life a little better. I mean, that's, that's the culture today. You know that Mormons will put their kids in two years of Bible school training? Jehovah's Witnesses will make their kids go out door to door. They ain't got the truth. And yet we'll let our kids watch TikTok and trends and all kinds of stuff, memorize all kinds of things of the world. They'll know the latest hit music, but they'll not know basic Bible verses for living kingdom life. That's on us, parents. Can I just be real? I want to raise a mighty generation for Jesus Christ, and it starts in the home. And it can't be one hour on a Sunday school class or, or a kids' church class once or twice a month, we will lose a generation, and we have lost a generation. This week, in, and I'm going to go off my notes, but this week we did school assemblies all across LaSalle Parish, thousands of uh, hundreds and uh, maybe a thousand kids we ministered to, and they rolled out that piece of paper in one of the high schools, and I began to read what those kids are going through. They began to write down all the things they were struggling with in their life. Some said, I'm getting over rape from when I was four years old. Some said, I'm thinking about suicide today. Some said, I come to school high every single day. Nobody notices. This is our school in our backyard right here. We need to reach a lost and dying generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. He is the hope and the life of this world. He is the light in the life of men. And it starts with us, and we reach our homes, and we go into the community and say, you never had a spiritual father or mother. Let me be that for you. 
I'm going to put aside all the calendar requests, all the busy schedule of life, and I'm going to reach and mentor you because you've never had someone in your life who could tell you who God has called you to be and who you are in Him and who He says you are and how He can free you from all that hurt and that pain and that addiction and that suffering and that suicide and that depression and that abuse and that trauma of life. There is a God who restores all things, and He will be the Father you've never had. And come, let me show you the way. That's what we need. You see, kingdom kids, and I'll close again with you. Kids, you are called to be subject to your parents. Twelve-year-old Jesus, missing for three days, they found him teaching in the temple. Mom looks at him and says, what in the world are you doing to us? That's what she, I'm sure she said a little bit more than that. Scripture didn't say it. But what are you in the world are you doing this to us? Why are you doing this to us? And he says, didn't you know I need to be in my father's house? Mom and dad, do they know who the father's house is? Do they know how to prioritize the father's house? And Jesus, the Bible says in Luke 2, he says, he left in subjection to them. Even God's own son subjected himself to two human parents. Kids, your mom and dad don't have to earn your respect. They're given it by God. That means I ain't got to be your best friend to earn your respect. Mom or dad just means that's what it gets. You're given respect because they are. God's who God made them to be. You know, even God says if you refuse to obey, mock, or curse, or even hit your parents, it's a sin worthy of death in the Scripture. Kids, you are called to follow your parents into teachings like don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't use violence to solve problems, flee from sexual immorality, don't marry non-Christians. It means to, it says, the Bible says, don't be drunk or attend wild parties or have outbursts of anger, envy, or unforgiveness. The Bible says if you follow the ways of the Holy Spirit, He'll lead you against the desires of the flesh. And your mom and dad are called to teach you those things in the Lord. You're to grow up, the Bible says, to make your parents glad and proud. That's Scripture, Proverbs 23:25. Kids are to grow up to make their families glad and proud. And here, lastly, I'll end with this. And everybody, all the kids are going to love this. You know, kids, when you get older and your parents get older... The Bible says you are called to take care of your parents even in the nursing home. Somebody give a hallelujah, right? You're called to take care of your parents when they can't take care of themselves. That is a call in Scripture to the Lord. You're not to let your parents be like one of these people. My wife sees so very often that in the nursing home, she works in the nursing home, how many people don't come visit their family in the nursing home. We're not doing that as kingdom people. Kingdom people are called to take care of their aging parents and grandparents. And the Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 12, if you do this, God promises to bless your life because that's what it means to be a kingdom people. So there's this tension, I'm going to close, with kin and kingdom. We are responsible to care for our families, not just to do family life. God wants you to provide for your family, care for your family, love your family, exceed and excel, push your family. Put all those things into action in your family. Have the best life possible. But your kids, your family is to always remember kingdom life is greater than family life. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Kingdom life is greater than family life. Mom or dad, does your kids see a God-first love in you? Does our kids know that we love God first in this family? That if it became between our family's wants and God's wants, that this family, our family, is going to figure out what God's wants are, and that's what we're going to do. Mom or dad, do they see that your spouse comes before them? 
They see that God comes first and mom or dad comes second and kids come third. Do they, wives, see you elevating and honoring your husband and husband? Do they see you lowering yourself to die for your wife? Mom, are you teaching them in the ways of the Lord that God has given them on loan to you, had a call on their life when they were in your womb? and they were his before they were ever yours. Are you teaching them and instructing them in the way of the kingdom? Dads, are you disciplining them and teaching them the ways of God to show them what it means to be a mighty man of God, demonstrating faith, kingdom life? And kids, teenagers, are you honoring your parents? Are you being subject to your parents as unto the Lord? You don't have to believe your parents are always right. You don't have to uh, believe they know what they're talking about. They may or may not, but you are still called to honor them and to respect them and bring into subjection to them. And God will bless you. And you're here today, and maybe you never encountered the love of a Father God before. Maybe today you are feeling absent in your life that you were one of those kids who felt orphaned and abandoned and lost, even in your spirit. You've gone through hard seasons in your life where no one has given you the love that you felt like you always needed. You've had trauma, baggage you've been carrying for years. Things have been done to you, said about you. You've been neglected and abused. God is such a good father. He called the children to him, and the Bible says he took those kids and he embraced them with his arms and he blessed them with his hands. I believe this morning God can do that to you in this room. Well, no matter what your age is, you may have been hurt at some point in your life and there's a wound there that is never healed and you don't know how to do life the kingdom way because you've never experienced it first in yourself. The selfless, sacrificial love of a heavenly father who gave up his own for you. So Holy Spirit, right now in this room, would you make us one as you are one? Would you fill this room and touch it in every single way? Holy Spirit, you know how to do all things. And so, Lord, every heart, every life, every mind, Lord, we submit ourselves to the King and His kingdom. Lord, to do life the way you've called us to do life. And we know it's life and life abundantly.